And even if he didn't, all it would take was that the spider not lift a finger when the jackdaw eventually came after him. He knew it was coming, sure as winter, sure as night. It was that realization that roused him in the middle of the night, his heart galloping a mile a minute. It was that bitter knowledge that drove him deep into his cups before he could eventually drop off to sleep again. Whenever Killam came, there'd be no clemency. There'd be no more bargaining. His blood or the jackdaws. There was no third way. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode where we last left off. The spider decides to hand Elias over to Haytham's clutches. If none of that makes any sense to you, I will have a link to a couple of recap videos down below. And as always, a link to the full playlist is available in the episode description. All right, let me get out of my own way. I will catch you at the end of the episode. I'm Josh Call, and this is Last Coliseum. Please, Lee, can't we? Paul said it was all fine the last time. The thief's head was propped up on one elbow, and he clenched his jaw to keep from laughing at the boy's animated entreaty. Sim's feet dangled off the edge of the table, his face flushed pink as he pushed the advert squarely in front of the older boy. He'd seen the advert already. It was plastered over every available surface in the coppers, every notice board, every shop front, every brothel. The grinning black skull with the splayed wings was nose to nose, well, nose whole, with some sneering, monstrous troll thing. Between them, stark and vivid on the yellow paper like a splash of blood, a bright red rose. Revenge of the Reaper proclaimed the advertisement in bold block letters, bear witness to the righteous return of the black-fletched brawler, the hard-knuckle harbinger, the avenging angel, as he takes on the Goliath of Blackport himself, defender of the rose, Samuel Stoneskin. It was dated for two days hence. At the bottom, in the same block letters as the title, one night only. He could already hear the rumors sweeping through the city like wildfire. He heard the rattle of the old woman's kettle on her tray as she emerged from the kitchen, and in a flash the boy had swept the advert off the table and disappeared it under his tunic. He raised an eyebrow as Paul set about pouring tea for them both. Sim measured out a heaping spoonful of sugar as she retreated into the kitchen. If you think she'd be fine with it, Lee told the boy, quiet enough that she wouldn't overhear, then you go on and ask her. He was wearing a new shirt, Lee was pleased to see. All the boys were. In recent days, many of the small, broken things that naturally piled up when there were boys under ten living under one roof had been repaired. The acorn-shot window pane, the cracked stair, the chair with the wobbly legs. Although it still made Lee's stomach clench to think about all the money he'd left on the hawk's table, those thirty crowns had gone a long way toward making Paul's place livable, and he was grateful for that. The cargo lifts paid better than he'd thought. At least, that's what he'd told Paul to explain his sudden windfall. And even so, he could only give her a crown or two at a time without raising her suspicion. He felt a twinge of guilt when he saw the pride in her eyes when she planted a dry kiss on his cheek and told him she loved him. 
But then, if the only way to get her to take the damned gold was to make her believe that he was a better man than he was, he'd lie through his teeth and not think twice about it. And if there were times, in the dark hours of the night, when he couldn't help but think twice, that's what the whiskey was for. The tea helped with his hangover, the steam that wafted off the cup clearing his nostrils as the pressure in his temples receded by degrees. The boy was still pleading that he take him to see the fight. Sim had kept a scrap of tunic that he'd torn off the reaper's shoulders. He kept it in a neat folded square under his bed like the relic of some ancient saint. Lee was only half listening. Ever since the inn and the fire, it was as if he'd left a piece of himself behind. And where that piece had been, there was only smoke and flame and bodies. He replayed it in his mind a hundred times a day. The burning woman, Krask bleeding out on the ground, the innkeep's furious face as he tried to choke the life out of him. Lee had his own new shirt, one with a high collar that he kept buttoned tight so that Paul wouldn't see the necklace of purple bruises that collared his throat. He'd been so close. So close to the paper castle he'd built, falling flat to reveal Lee and his lies and his betrayal. He'd seen that awful, unbridled fury in Haytham's eye before. What must it have been like to see it all concentrated to one needlepoint directed at himself? Heaven and hell and a knife in his ribs hadn't stopped him from coming back to revenge himself on White Rose. Lee didn't fancy his chances if that same relentless juggernaut ever turned on him. Hand over a candle, he reminded himself. But the paper castle had stood. Barely, its vellum walls shivering under a breath of wind. If there'd been anyone watching close, they'd have seen the tremble of those supposed stone battlements and known that he was all smoke and shadow. Coward, traitor, runaway. And even if they hadn't seen through him, Lee had. How many years since the prince and the magpie, trying to convince himself that he was more than he was. But there he was, same as ever. Coward, traitor, runaway. Please, Lee, we have to go. The little redhead said it with controlled urgency, sneaking glances over his shoulder to be sure Paul hadn't appeared in the kitchen doorway. I want to see him fight again. I want to see the... A long shadow fell across the battered tea table, and Sim's eyes went wide. Kill him. Gooseflesh prickled on the thief's arms, and as he turned, he found himself unsheathing a tin butter knife from the jar of marmalade in the middle of the table. It wasn't the jackdaw. Red Ugly's eyes flicked from Lee to the sticky, orange, speckled knife in his hand, his brow set in its usual grim half-scowl. His swollen face had returned to its usual shape in the days since the inn, but Lee fairly wondered how many times a man could smash his face against his problems before it eventually stuck that way. Evidently, the answer was, at least once more. I, uh, how, how did you find me? He heard himself stammer. He'd taken care to avoid divulging anything to the brawler that could put Paul or the boys in danger. In the kitchen, he heard a clang and a creak of the floorboards as the old woman waddled out to greet the newcomer. Haytham jerked his head to the doorway for Lee to follow him. Come on, he wants to meet you. He, 
the liar's voice in the back of the carriage, the one who dispatched Haytham and the sellsword to their dark work on the hinter. He'd been waiting days for the call. Lee! Paul reproached him as she emerged from the kitchen, her tea tray rattling. Why didn't you tell me you were inviting? She caught a good look at Haytham's battered face, and it was a moment before she squeaked. Guests. He could tell what was going through her mind as she took in the brawler. Haytham didn't look like a lift worker. He looked like the type of villain you'd find in exactly the sort of grog shops and gambling dens that Lee had gone to great lengths convincing Paul he no longer frequented. He scrambled to think up a new lie that would allow the old one to go unmolested. Haytham swept his hood off and gave a slight bow to the old woman. I'm sorry, ma'am. Lee didn't invite me. Sim was still gawking, his mouth opening and closing like a caught fish. Paul blinked and set her tea tray down on the table with a decisive clack. Amid uncertainty, her deeply ingrained habit of hospitality took over. Well, even so, she began as she set another table setting out. You're more than welcome to stay for tea. Do you like toast, Mr... Haytham, murmured he. I'm afraid I can't stay. Oh, come now, of course you can. Everyone has time for tea. The boy and I have an appointment. Paul's eyes flicked to Lee's. He saw a thread of worry there. The brawler's statement had an ominous ring to it. The thief had no idea what he'd tell her later to convince her that he wasn't back to his old games. Well, uh, all right then, she allowed after a moment. Another time, perhaps. Haytham thanked her, and Lee threw a cloak around his shoulders, assuring Paul that he was staying out of trouble. She didn't look convinced. Just before Haytham ducked out of the mismatched house, Paul's voice caught him. Say, you look terribly familiar. Are you sure I don't know you from some place? Lee glanced past her at Sim, who'd begun to pull the advert out from under his shirt, and shook his head minutely. Behind Paul's back, the boy held a finger up to his lips and nodded. Haytham's eyes never left Paul's. I'd remember, Mom. The last thing Lee saw was a rosy flush rising to the old woman's cheeks as he followed the brawler out. The thief felt a prickle on the back of his neck as the sellsword closed the door behind him. They were in a study room on the upper floor of the library. The balcony doors at the other end were opened wide to flood the narrow cell with sound and daylight from the bustling sanctuary square below. He could already hear the paroxysms of outrage from the crones who tended the library's many thousands of volumes had they seen the balcony doors with their thick, immobile shutters flung wide. Sunlight was as bad for the books as if you doused them with lamp oil and set them alight. At least, that's what the library's avenging angels would tell you. The man at the desk couldn't have cared a whit. His boots were propped up on the desk, which was strewn with ink pots and papers, and with two fingers he lazily twisted a curl into his salt-and-pepper mustachio. Lee fought to keep a smirk from sneaking across his features. He wasn't sure what he'd been expecting the halfpenny spider to look like. The brawler had been reluctant to reveal anything about his patron. But needless to say, it wasn't a paunchy little man in his fifties with a silly mustache wearing what looked like an ill-fitting military jacket. The brawler filled the room between them, silhouetted by the balcony doors, glaring down at the stack of adverts on the edge of the desk. He peeled one off the top of the stack and stared at it. You don't waste time. It's the most precious thing we have, murmured the spider his voice almost lost under the street chatter outside. 
Goose flesh rose on Lee's arms as he remembered that voice from the carriage. Gold is cheap. You can always earn more. He looked past Haytham and caught the thief in his slightly roomy gaze. But you'll never have as many days left as you have today. He raised a finger and beckoned him close so that Lee and Haytham were standing side by side. His right shoulder brushed the spines of the books on the shelf beside him. So, intoned the gray man, you're the boy I keep hearing about. Lee swallowed but didn't say anything. The spider raked his gaze up and down his scrawny shape. The way I hear it, you keep crisscrossing Haytham's path, keeping his nose out of trouble. He raised a bushy eyebrow, waiting for comment. Go on, boy. Speak. Something like that, he managed in a strained voice. The spider pulled his boots off the desk and let them thud against the floor. He and the thief were nearly eye level. Why? His face didn't change, but Lee could sense the threat hiding under his words. I don't believe men do anything out of their own innate goodness. Braden. The brawler warned him, taking a slight step forward to interpose himself between the thief and the spider. A flash of irritation flickered across the gray man's features when he heard his own name. He waved off the brawler. Stay out of this, Haytham. His eyes never left Lee's. We are at war. Any good general needs to know the troops under his command. Lee's own gaze dropped to the tasseled epaulets studding the spider's faded jacket. It reminded him of something you might see in a mummer's play. A bad one. Well, boy, you have a good life. Pinching pennies for the old girl. What's her name? Pam? Paul. Lee corrected him automatically. Paul. The gray man amended. Why leave that all behind? Down this road, chances are you end up dead or in a cell. There was a good chance of that down the other road, too. The spider nodded. And in the long run, we're all dead anyway. He laced his fingers behind his head and leaned back in his chair. Still, I'm eager to hear. What's in it for you? Save for the bustle in the square below, the little study room was very, very quiet. He could feel Haytham watching him out of the corner of his eye, and by the hairs on his neck, he knew that the sellsword had his gaze trained on him as well, one hand resting, he imagined, on the pommel of his short sword. He knew that unless he answered this question to the gray man's satisfaction, it'd be over for him. If that happened, the least of his troubles would be being pushed out of their little circle of conspirators. He'd already seen the spider's face. He wouldn't put it past him to have the sellsword cut Lee's throat and toss him into the jacksum to keep the gray man's identity a secret. And even if he didn't, all it would take was that the spider not lift a finger when the jackdaw eventually came after him. He knew it was coming, sure as winter, sure as night. It was that realization that roused him in the middle of the night, his heart galloping a mile a minute. It was that bitter knowledge that drove him deep into his cups before he could eventually drop off to sleep again. Whenever Killam came, there'd be no clemency. There'd be no more bargaining. His blood or the jackdaws. There was no third way. 
At this point, he knew his only play was to go all in for the brawler, to hide behind him like a child behind its mother's skirts, and to hope like hell that the Grey Man extended to him and Paul and the boys the same protection that he'd been affording to Haytham since he came back to the edge, and pray that none of them found out who he really was. Coward, traitor, runaway. The words were a bitter drumbeat in his heart. You were standing in the street, the spider reminded him, rousing the thief from his secret thoughts, watching the hinter knights ride for the keep. You see Haytham pushing through the crowd. Am I right? Or does the story go back further? That's about right, Lee heard himself say. I saw him pushing through the crowd, thought I could stop him before he did something stupid. He glanced up at Haytham and felt his face get hot. Sorry. The brawler's face was inscrutable. Never underestimate Haytham's ability to do something stupid, the gray man advised. He looked the reaper in the eye, daring him to challenge him. And perhaps yours too, he reflected, his gaze settling back on Lee. White Rose could have cut you both down, and the cloaks wouldn't have lifted a finger to stop him. I'm quick on my feet, the thief insisted, and I figured that it would be a valuable thing to be owed a favor by the Reaper. He noticed one of the brawler's massive hands curl into a fist. What do you know of the Reaper? murmured the gray man with interest. You're what, twelve? Sixteen? he replied. I know a bit. I, I know you're playing him in two days. I know half the city will turn out to see two unbeaten brawlers go head to head. Winner take all. The spider's mustachio shivered as a smirk twitched at the corner of his mouth. The brawler was still holding one of the posters, now slightly crumpled in his fist. "'Are you sure you can take him?' the thief asked, gesturing to the warty troll that was almost kissing the winged skull. "'My little cousin, he follows all the fighters. Sam Stoneskin's a real bastard, I hear.' Haytham dropped the advert on top of the stack. "'I'm not fighting.' "'What?' the thief frowned. "'Who is?' The spider held up a finger before Haytham could elaborate. Careful, boy. He tapped one finger against the surface of the desk. Right here's another crossroads. You can turn back now, keep cutting purses and lying to Pam about it. His eyes were bright and dangerous above deep, sleepless circles. Or you can go all in. In for a copper, in for a crown until they hang us all side by side. Lee stared out into the midday bright. The huge marble fountain was framed between the balcony doors, and beyond it he could make out the big stone slabs that formed the steps leading up to the great sanctuary, all marble columns and stained glass. At the top of those steps was where they hanged traitors, rapers, heretics, all under the all-seeing polychrome eye of God. He thought about it. Well, I already know that he means to bring down White Rose, and now I've seen your face, he added, nodding to the gray man. So if I turn back now, you'd probably have to kill me anyway. He saw begrudging respect on the older man's face. He's quick he murmured, looking past Lee at the sellsword blocking the door. Lee turned to Haytham. Why are you going to fake the fight? Have you ever seen a shell game on the street? The spider interjected. Of course he had. 
For a penny ago, the barkers coaxed passers-by into guessing which of three shells was hiding a marble, after shuffling the shells around, promising a half-crown if they guessed right. The real game is never the one you're watching. He was right. The crowds were always so caught up watching the way the shells were shuffled that they hardly ever noticed the cut purses busily emptying pockets. When Lee was first starting out, he used to practice in the crowds at the games before the other cut purses caught wind, cornered him in an alley, and beat the piss out of him. He stayed well away from the shell games after that. So what's the real game? Like you said, murmured the gray man, half the city will be there, including, as it happens, Elias Whiterose. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw Haytham stiffen at the mention of the nobleman. The spider motioned to one of the papers strewn across the desk. He's already hired a carriage for the night. We have his route mapped out from the winch lifts to the warehouse. That's where I'll be. Lee's mind flashed to those teeming thousands he'd once seen crammed together around the sandy, blood-flecked battleground, the red man at the center with his red fist brandished high. He looked at Haytham. Where will you be? The brawler's jaw was set, waiting for him. Look at me, boy. The spider's face was serious. It made his mustachio look all the more ridiculous. There's a lot riding on you. I didn't want to bring you in, but Haytham seems to trust you. Don't prove him wrong. He bobbed his head to the door. Go on. I'll be in touch with the details. Lee heard the door whisper open behind him. He didn't move. Wait. His skin prickled as both men looked at him. He willed himself not to fidget. There's something I want. Thankfully, his voice sounded more confident than he felt. The spider's eyes narrowed a fraction, but he gave a slight nod for the thief to say his piece. It's my... my mom. She's being threatened by thugs. They take boys and... and they use them for... He couldn't bring himself to say it. He felt the phantom tug of the jackdaw's brutes pulling down his breeches, and for the first time he was grateful for the image of Krask, bloody and dying, seared on his eyelids. The gray man nodded. Lee thought maybe he saw some shred of sympathy in his fever-bright eyes. Understood. You do this for me, and I'll make sure no one bothers your mom again. You have my word. Emotion welled up in the thief's chest, and he felt his throat tighten as he opened his mouth to tell him thanks. Now it was the spider who looked uncomfortable. Now get out, he snapped, shooing him toward the door at the front of the cell. He went, his heart feeling lighter than it had in days. Thank you guys so much for listening. It really is a huge encouragement to be able to share this story with you. I had one of my friends who's been following this story from the beginning say some really nice things about one of the last episodes of Act One just the other day, and it really just warmed my heart. So I am thrilled to be able to share all of this with you. If you're not subscribed on the YouTube channel yet, what are you doing? I've been saying it since the beginning. Make sure to do that and leave a like and a comment on the video, and I will catch you you all next week.